join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Hello, welcome back to the Masterclass Tactical Podcast. I'm Haider Rabani, joined by Rob Blanchett. We've been away, Rob, haven't we, for over a month now, maybe a bit longer, and we've enjoyed the time off. We've detoxed, we've just unwound ourselves, and we, but we are back today for a Jaden Sancho special. And Rob, he hasn't played any games for Manchester United. We've been waiting two years for this transfer to go through. We've been looking into Jane Sancho and talking about all season, but it looks like it's finally going ha- to happen now. So welcome back. How are you feeling about this pen- potential signing and how are you enjoying the time off from Manchester United? Cheers, Haydar. Well, it's been needed. Obviously, we do a lot of work during the season around United and the Euros have been on, so I've been working on that non-stop. Uh, so it hasn't really stopped for me in that in that context, but it's nearly time to start talking shop again. And our shop, of course, is Manchester United. And we're getting really close now to the Jaden Sancho deal. Um, one of the reasons why we didn't kind of do this last season and really at the start maybe of the off-season was that you've got to just kind of wait. And I think we've got to a point now where all parties are satisfied and Dortmund are certainly saying that the deal is pretty much imminent to go through. They're happy with it. Uh, around 75 to 77 straight up with add-ons. It seems like a good deal to me. If you think last year we were talking 108 million was obviously the the fee and United rightfully didn't go anywhere near it. Now, of course, United fans want the deal to go through. They don't care how much a player costs. Neither do I really. I don't really care about that. However, the owners do and financial people do. So we're finally now getting maybe the first piece in the transfer puzzle for the summer for a top player, someone that we all know about. But as I said to you off camera as well before, is that there's still quite a lot of United fans who don't know that much about Jadon Sancho. And the reason for that is they might watch the Champions League, but they don't watch the Bundesliga. So they're kind of taking an unknown quantity, maybe just on, on you know Twitter tweets, people talking about Sancho being a good player and trusting that. And I've had lots of kind of feedback from people saying they're not quite sure what Jadon Sancho is, who he is, what he does. How is he going to improve Manchester United? Why have United targeted him for such a long time? Um, We're now finally getting there. We're going to see what he looks like in a red shirt. But tonight, we just want to talk about, you know, the tactical impact, how Ole will use him, uh, some of his statistics, which, of course, are outstanding. One statistically one of the best forwards in the world. Uh, And we want to kind of say how the blend will be when you look at Manchester United's major players like Paul Pogba and uh, obviously Bruno Fernandes and how Jadon Sancho is going to help those players help United become more successful. 100% guys I'm loving the enthusiasm in the comments it's great to be back we have also missed you as well myself and Rob that's why we do it we do this podcast because of the amazing support the amazing uh, you know engagement that we get from you so make sure guys you know if you're on Twitter give us a retweet please we're going to get this out to as many people as possible this isn't just going to be like a lot of podcasts you're seeing at the moment just talking about transfers and all the tabloid stuff we're going to go right into Jane Sancho's numbers his statistics and what he's going to bring to Manchester United. So, Rob, before we start, I just want to say one thing about, you mentioned 
you know, about him in the Bundesliga. I think a big problem with a lot of, um, I'm going to say the English media, I know you're part of the English media, but there is a large quarter of the English media that definitely underrate foreign players or players that play in foreign leagues. I think Sancho is definitely one of them. And there's something that we're seeing in the Euros because we haven't seen him for England. It's a really poor way to judge in Sancho, in my opinion. I think it's actually a positive Sancho. When you're looking at him and he's not playing at the moment, he's going to get some rest before he joins Manchester United. And we're going to assume that he's going to join Manchester United pretty imminently. He's going to have less hype around him because he's not going to be in the spotlight. Could it work to Manchester United's advantage at the fact that Jane Sancho perhaps isn't in the limelight right now? He isn't so highly rated by large quarters of the British media. Well, I'm delighted he's not been playing for England. Why is that? Because he gets a rest. You know, I'm always a bit like that, a bit selfish when it comes to United players. I want them to do well internationally, but if they don't play, then I'm quite happy for them to sit back and kick back and, in, and enjoy the summer. I'm quite happy that Mason Greenwood is not there risking his health in the same way that, say, Marcus Rashford is, because Marcus is there as a senior player for England. So, um, absolutely, there's no way that you can judge Jadon Sancho on the last few weeks or on Gareth Southgate's uh, position on him. I think that he's been treated pretty badly in the England squad. I think when you look at maybe their forward line, you know, you look at someone like Jack Grealish, who was injured towards the end of last season, didn't play a lot of games, but has become the darling of the British media, uh, without doubt. And everyone in the world wants Jack Grealish to play. And no one's really said much about Jadon Sancho, who statistically is probably the best right-sided forward in the world over the last three seasons. And yet no one wants to talk about him. I'm happy with that because it's about bringing the right players to the football club rather than the hype. So there's a lot of hype behind Jaden anyway. There's no doubt about that. When he comes to United, it will all obviously bubble over. And it's about what you're getting for the price that you're paying. 77 million is a lot of money, and especially when there's still add-ons on that. However, when you think about what he could add to United's attack in terms of increasing the goal count, both by assists and by scoring. I said last season to you, what United needed to do to catch Man City was actually score more goals. And people kind of say, oh, but you've got forwards, you're quick, you've got Pace, you've got Cavani, you've got goals, you've got Bruno Fernandes. But United don't really have a balance of goals. And I think that when you bring in someone on the right, like Sancho, who will also play on both sides, left and the right, it gives you more options. And Ole's talked about that quite a bit, about his options across the attack. And I think you'll see that very early on when he comes to the football club. There won't, there won't be a settling in period. He'll be expected to kind of hit the ground running. It, it, it won't be a case that he sits on the bench for 10 weeks and then kind of gets a chance. Not, it's not going to be a Donny van der Beek. He's being brought to Manchester United to be a long-term success. And from day one, he'll be expected to perform. 100%, Rob. And I just want to talk about some of the reasons why I want Jadon Sancho to join Manchester United and why I'm so excited. We've spoken last season at length. You know, we were talking about Haaland, we were talking about Sancho. And for me, I always felt that United, as you mentioned, you know, that balance in attack is very important. United needs someone in that front line. When you look at the likes of Marcus Rashford, he's very, very much more, I wouldn't say he's a creator. He's, he carries the ball well. He, he has an eye for goal. Mason Greenwood, again, isn't a natural creator. He's a finisher and he's a, he's a very good finisher. I mean, one, one thing you might miss with Sancho on the right-hand side is that Sorry, without Mason on that right-hand side, you might miss the fact that, uh, you know, there's maybe less of a goal threat because Mason's fantastic at cutting in and putting the ball into the corner. But what I really, reason why I really wanted James Sancho is for many reasons. His decision-making is fantastic. For a, for a player of his age, 20 years old, the way that he 
he is able to make the right decision, the way he knows when to hold, when to give the ball is massive, especially in the final third, Rob. I, I think one of the biggest things we saw when Paul Pogba played on that left-hand side, we saw that United's retention in the final third got better. And when he played deep against um, Villarreal, we saw that United lacked that in the final third, you know, picked the ball up in the pockets. I think Jaden Sancho will offer almost a Paul Pogba type of retention in the final third. I don't think Rashford's retention is that great. I think Mason's improved, but again, I don't think it's that great. Cavani gives the ball away as well. That's a big bonus for United when they want to, one, break down low blocks, which is what United will be doing next season because they're a big team and teams will sit back deep. Another thing as well, he can pick the lock. That's your favourite phrase. That's something that he really excels at. He excels at being able to pick a pass, being able to get that assist, and our forwards are going to profit from it. The likes of Cavani, Martial, I know he's not the highest on people's agendas right now but he will profit from someone on the right hand side who's a wide creator yeah. this for me i don't think this puts united to the takes united to the title on itself but it brings united closer yeah one of the things i said 12 months ago about sancho was that had united paid the 108 million which would have been an incredible fee for the player especially someone who was still you know not that far the wrong side of a of being a teenager still um 108 million does that get you to win the championship last season. And I said consistently, no, I didn't believe that. I believe that you had to do other things. But I think in this market, when you look at what Sancho can bring to the football club, uh, around 77 million around that in terms of the price, it's now about the chemical fit. And I talk about the chemical fit a lot in football, about how do players kind of mesh together. And we're still really in a, I think, 12 to 18 month period where we're reassessing where Paul Pogba should play. We're, we're kind of still getting used to the output of a Bruno Fernandes. And we're talking about, you know, the, the amount of games that Rashford has played and what do United do in the striker position? You know, we've seen now that, that Mason Greenwood is a year on into his development. So now when you're looking at the, the issue of scoring goals, it makes sense to bring in a, both a creator and a goal scorer. Now, you were just saying there about Mason being a goal threat from the right. I do think that if you play Mason through the middle now, what you'll see United doing in terms of tandems, they'll still probably play 4-2-3-1. That is something that I think is set in stone, and I, I don't have a big problem with that. But I think what you'll see now is a bit more mix and a match in terms of positions. So you might find that Sancho will go narrow in a game, naturally, in actually just in open play, and you'll see that Greenwood will go to the right. And, th and that is something that they'll train around and they'll work around. And then you'll see that Rashford will go central a bit more, and you'll see that um, Sancho will go left. United haven't really had the weapons to do that in, the, say, the same way that, say, Liverpool have. So Liverpool have been able to do that for season after season because their front three is fluid. They can move around and they all got their, their own roles. They start in certain positions on the left, the centre and the right, but ultimately they score from all around the penalty box. So that's what United need to add because it's all a little bit still too rigid and it has been for the last 12 months. And I think Ole's identified that. And that's why Sancho has remained the number one target for United and why they went back quite early on at the end of the off-season. And they went in there and said, we want the player, we want to do a deal. And then this has obviously been thrashed out now for the last two or three weeks. 100%. Rob, there's a great comment here from um, Hele saying that Jaden is, very, very, is very, very talented, but he plays on instinct as well. He doesn't stop and think he goes with his gut. You can't teach that. It's a really, really fantastic point. I do want to bring up a couple of statistics. Guys, keep your comments coming in. Keep your questions coming in as well. We'll try and answer them uh, nearer the end or as we go along. Let's look here. This is for the last three seasons. And we didn't include Jaden Sancho's first season because he didn't play as much. He played, you know, a handful of games. He still had a decent return. He was about five goals, seven assists, and about, uh, I think it was like maybe... 
16, 17 games, which is which is very good. But here, Jen Sancho's Dortmund stats. So we have over the last three years, he's played 136 games. That's 49 goals and 63 assists. In a combination, that's 112 goals and assists. And you've got uh, 0.8 goal contributions per game. That's phenomenal. That's that's almost a goal or an assist a game. That's phenomenal, Rob. Absolutely phenomenal. I don't care. Crazy. It's crazy numbers. They are crazy numbers for any player. 20 years old. Then you look at over the last three years. 18-19 season, he had 13 goals, 20 assists. He's hit 20 assists in the last three seasons. 19-20 season, 20 goals, 20 assists, his best season. And last season, he had a slow start, remember. He didn't get his move to Manchester United. And people question his mentality and his attitude. He didn't get his move. He still performed last season. 16 goals, 20 assists. Rob, just having a look at that as a snapshot, how is he not well, one? How is he not playing an England team? And we don't we don't want to go too far into that, but that's why I think every time we look at the team sheet, it doesn't make sense. But imagine he brings that to this Manchester United attack, brings 20 assists. And you can argue as well that playing with Bruno Fernandez, playing with the likes of Marcus Rashford, even Cavani, maybe Martial, Pogba, I mean, he could go to to the next level, couldn't he? He could go to the next level, but 112 goals and assists and 136 games for a guy who's still just only just out of his teenage years. If he never gets better than that, we've got one of the best players in the world. So he doesn't have to get any better than that goal ratio. He's he's 20. He's 20. Below one. You know, his goal ratio of of being involved in goals and 0.82 goal contribution for any player in the world. If, If we were putting that, 0.82 0.82 on Ronaldo's shoulders or Messi's shoulders and all of that, it would be expected. So these are prime elite numbers. They're 100% sick. You know, you don't really get anyone in this kind of bracket that in terms of kicking on is so, so rare. So you you really are not buying a diamond in the rough. You're buying the diamond. You're buying it. So this is why United have looked at him. There's all sorts of add-ons with Jadon Sancho. Yes, he's English. Yes, he's got a point to prove in the Premier League, obviously, with the way that he left Manchester City. Um, And it's a huge step up for him. It's a commercial signing as well. Manchester United want superstars in certain areas. He certainly will fit that bill. Uh, He will mesh with what United already have in terms of the youngsters. When you look at Greenwood, you look at Rashford, you look at the guys coming through. He fits that kind of profile. But those figures are outrageous. And I think that if he wasn't English and maybe, you know, say he was from Croatia or something like that, you know, I do think that there would be kind of less suspicion around it. You know, there would be less less kind of like, well, is this guy any good? I think you kind of find your way through. I think with when you're English, there's already so many hurdles to get over, especially when you're a young black Englishman. It's, it's truth. It's just, it's just reality. So I think for him, he needs the platform to, put, to perform in England, which Manchester United will provide him. But if he can produce anything like that, Haydar, like anything like almost a goal a game involvement, if he does that next year, over 12 months, Manchester United win the Premier League. Yeah, they're there they're, they're about. Wow. Yeah. If you add an extra goal a game to your 36 games over a season, yeah, and you put an extra 36 goals on to what you scored last season when you came second, you win the Premier League. It's as simple as that. So this is simple maths. So someone like Sancho can give you that statistical edge but then he can give other players edges as well. You know, like if, if Paul Pogba is playing closer to him and Pogba signs a new contract and fingers crossed 
that's where we're going with we'll that. address that a little bit later but yeah we will we'll get there that. eventually but it would also massively help bruno fernandez as a second man runner yeah so you have a player who's going to attract attention in the way that we didn't have last season you know i think we all know that the right side of manchester United's attack for years going all the way back to when antonio valencia was running down the right wing united have been pretty poor in that area yes Juan matter's done well at times but certainly hasn't been viable in the last couple of seasons and we know that mason's played and i think mason's done really well and developed well into a, an all-rounded forward on the right but Jaden sancho if he gives you an extra goal a game next year united are gonna win trophies and this is why united look at that statistically and think that he's the right man for the job there's still lots of good players around europe and you know we can talk about your harlands and your harry canes and all of this and we're talking really big money for those two you know when we talk about bringing them into your football club but 77 million for a player that can it's get it's you an a extra goal a game it could turn into a ridiculous bargain it's for a decade that's a bargain we know that the Glazers are interested in players with add-on as well. So let's put it this way. So he's going to sign a five-year contract. So this is what's, what, it, what the deal is going to be. It's a five-year contract with an additional year. And I think that that will be uh, club-triggered, which normally is with Manchester United. So that will be a six-year deal. United know that even in that whole kind of six-year period, even if he signs a new contract or improved terms or whatever, is that they will probably have, if he's successful, one of the top three sellable assets in the world. So that's also another thing for them to get excited about. You know, we don't care about sell, sell on values, but this guy has really got all of it. And and I just hope that that Ole can find the right tactics for him because now United will have to tweak a few things. And so we'll talk about that with the other players in the squad. Um, it's not huge tweaks because really all you're doing is addressing the position, but it's now making sure that Sancho himself has support around on the right-hand side to be able to perform. And that as long as he handles the pressure, what can he actually bring to the team? And where does the team go with Jaden Sancho driving the bus? Yeah, spot on. Rob, I'm going to quickly, I, I do want to get your opinion just quickly, a couple of minutes. Um, it's a question here asking, you know, you know, not bothered why Sancho's not playing for or being used by him, but why do you think that is? And I want to couple that with a good question here, which is saying, and I know we've mentioned, you know, that there is uh, perhaps a disrespect towards foreign leagues, but, you know, can you please debunk the theory that he plays in Germany and would you be able to cut it in the Premier League? People forget, Rob, he's he's English. He came through without Watford and he was at City. It's not like he's never played an English game. I mean, there's a good comment here as well saying, you know, that Sancho comes from cage football background. United haven't had that sort of player in a while. It's almost, yeah, street, yeah. street football, that absolute pure, the technical fundamentals, that pure ability on the ball that United haven't had totally. since Ronaldo. Seriously, Nani, Ronaldo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pure, pure, you know, technical fundamentals, Rob. You, sometimes you can't teach that. You know, there's when they've just got it, players have just got that ability on the ball. And I think James Sancho's got that. I don't think Marcus Rashford's got that, if I'm honest with you. I think he's got to work a little bit harder. I think he's a very effective, direct player. But I don't think he's he's got that sort of X factor on the ball. But Jaden Sancho has that. So, yeah, look, why is he? Why do you think he's not playing for England? You, you cover England in the Euros. And why is there such a disrespect towards the fact that he's done it in the Bundesliga? Well, I described it last week and the week before as malpractice. And what I meant by that in terms of his selection was that, of course, we don't see what's going on in training. And the England manager has to choose things for how he feels his system works. And when we looked at, say, the first selection in the tournament, it was quite 
obvious that Southgate had a certain way of that he wanted to play. We didn't see Luke Shaw, obviously, in that first game. He played a right back at left back. He didn't, you know, Sancho didn't even get a sniff. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't going to happen for him. Uh, and we could see the kind of balance of the squad. So I think it's purely just personal choice of the coach. I don't really, really it's a reflection of Sancho. You could say that it's up to Sancho to force his way into the team. But I do think at this moment of time, there is a kind of leaning towards Jack Grealish to be the golden boy of English football than, it, than there is for Jadon Sancho. I think if we'd gone back 12 months ago, that might have been very different. So, you know, as it stands today, it's more about the story of England and and the narrative around it. You know, Phil Foden's stock's risen because Manchester City got to a Champions League final. But when you look at this as a, as a Bundesliga thing, then we do have to debunk that because many people will say to you, well, last season the two German signings that came to Chelsea didn't do very well in the Premier League. And of course, they immediately stuffed all of that up the opinion by winning the Champions League. So you can say one thing about a player and are they suited? And I, and I do think it's valid to say, will Sancho do well in the Premier League? He's never played in the Premier League. You know, this is not a thing he's done before. But I do like the, the comment there about him stylistically being a street footballer. And that is exactly actually where, what Marcus Rashford is. Now, Marcus's strengths might be in terms of straight line speed and he's developed his game around that. refined on the ball, Rob. Yeah, but go and watch Marcus Rashford in training and what he does with the, with the ball at his feet. He's a street footballer. Yeah, he's, he's, not, he's, not, he's not Dan James. So, you know, he ain't knock it and run. So th that's kind of more, you know, Marcus was kind of a winger at one stage, but he's not really a winger. He doesn't have that touch of a winger and a cross or any of that kind of thing. He's actually quite a technical footballer and he needs to kind of play with other technical footballers and that will make him better. So I think that is actually a bigger kind of question when you talk about Sancho is about what he will bring to other players. United might start playing, God forbid, some one-touch football. You know, if United start playing some one-touch football, we might actually see a football team emerge. So United have done good things in the last couple of years. And this is why I've kind of lauded Ole, because I think Ole's pushing it all in that direction. He knows that United do need more flair. They do need the function behind, but they need to be able to say to the forwards, go and win us football matches. It's more, it's more this, ball playing ability is what they need. It's more ball playing. And, and like, uh, uh, I think you said, was it Hele said earlier on there about, you know, having players uh, that can make that kind of instantaneous yeah. decision that's, that's something ingrained in them. United haven't had those players for a long time. You know, you say about Ronaldo and Nani, but even in like you know in the in between years, United managers haven't set their teams up like that. You know, Mourinho didn't, Van Gaal didn't, David Moyes had an eleven-month holiday at the football club and then left. So you look at Ole, and I think Ole is trying to do that. He's trying to look at flair and function and make sure those two things work. Because when United were at their most successful, they had both. You can't just say that you go out and beat everyone five nil. You've got to be able to defend. You've got to move the ball through midfield. That's why the double pivot is in place. That's why it works. That's why we've seen England playing with a kind of pivot style in the first game. It does work. That's why you do it. But then you can be fluid around that as well. And it certainly means that if you've got Jadon Sancho in front of your midfield and say Paul Pogba's coming off the left or in the centre, Pogba's going to love it. Pogba's going to absolutely love having a creative entity on him on that side, having Bruno make him run through the middle a little bit more because you would be a bit more freer. There's just going to be more kind of join-the-dots football that looks more like street football. And modern football is about that now. It's about how you, you're moving the ball quickly, uh, having transition football. It's not just all about counter-attack. It's about how you set the counter-attack up. And, and Jadon Sancho will do that. He will drop to the halfway line. 
he will get his head up and he will see someone on the left running like Rashford. You know, he will see that pass. And we've not had that on the right-hand side. Mata can do it, but Mata doesn't do it. That's the point because he's not really that quick and he doesn't really get into those positions. He becomes more of a midfield entity. Sancho can give you a little bit of everything. Yeah, very well said. Great questions, guys. Thanks. Keep them coming. And uh, we want to hear your thoughts. We've uh, touched on this before in, in the season review, but we'll touch on it again, Rob. And let's have a look at Sancho's rankings per 90. Um, crazy and we'll see stuff. What it's just crazy, isn't it? And guys, look, we got the statistics from um, FBref, probably the best site. If you want to go and have a look and see how a player ranks against another or, or the other top performers in their position, you know, with these metrics, then go and check it out. It's fantastic. So look, let's have a look at some of the key ones. So passes attempted. Bear in mind, he's a he's a wide he's a wide forward. Let's say. He's a 99th percentile, Rob. Yeah. We'll have a look at um, his progressive passes. Look, 97th percentile. May not have had mm. issues with progressive passing. You look at in the squad right now, Rob, I will say that Paul Pog was a progressive passer. Luke Shaw's a progressive passer. Harry Maguire's a progressive passer. And you can argue Bruno is, but I think we'll talk about Bruno later. I've got I've got a few things I want to say about Bruno and where I think he would be best at Manchester United. And you're seeing with, what he's doing with, with uh, Portugal and where he's not really performing as much and i think there's there's a way that we can fit him in at united we'll talk about that later we're looking at dribbles yeah. complete as well sorry mm -hmm. gone that's no, what you, you carry on so 97th percentile which again is fantastic and i want to i want to draw on the two ones at the end here so you've got the assists which is 98th percentile he is the best assist maker in the wide position in europe i don't care if he plays in the bundesliga stats are stats and you can't you can't deviate from that. And then shot creating actions. So we talk about like, you know, almost that, like that pre-assist pre 97th percentile. Rob, absolutely mental. You see with a lot of young players, right? They have bags of ability, but where they're lacking is in that end product. It takes a little bit of time for them to develop that. Jaden has that at 20 years old. Yeah, it's frightening. It's really, it's really frightening. And again, if you, if you, you know, watching Sancho's development through the Bundesliga and looking what he's done at Dortmund, the way that even when he's had maybe drier spells, he does have this involvement in the team. So he's not really a guy that, you know, either scores assists or does nothing. You know, you could look at some, maybe someone like Anthony Marshall being a bit like that, couldn't you? You can say that there's times where maybe he's not, not completely been involved in games, but he scored you a goal, so you're happy and all of that. But then times when he's gone missing or whatever. Uh, I don't think that Sancho is that kind of player. He did never, he's never really that that way stylistically. But it means, I think, at United is that they'll get more out of that position. And this is really how you go and win the league. How do you get the most out of those problem positions? But then also make sure that the positions where you do quite well continue to do well. Because it's very easy, as I've said before, to rob Peter to pay Paul. And that's not a good fit. It's not a good way to kind of say, well, now we're better in this part of the park, but we're worse over here because this player's got got weaknesses. I don't think the Sancho has any weaknesses when it comes to forward play. Uh, and, you know, we talked about Marcus Rashford just a minute ago there. You know, Marcus had 36 goal involvements last year. Marcus Rashford's one of the top forwards in the world. Yeah, he really is. People might not like that, but it's the truth. So it's how do you make Rashford more effective? How do you make sure Rashford doesn't lose the ball as much as maybe as he, as he has this season? You know, when you look at those statistics, and I do think that if you have balance, that's always the best way to get there is to have someone on that right-hand side. So when you switch the play, the ball goes to a player, they're going to actually play some football. 100%. And this is a great comment here uh, from Alan saying, also key to have ball players in different parts of the pitch, having sure on the left, let's say Pogba in the middle, Bruno not having to come deep, concentrate on being you know, the 
the attacking midfielder. And then Sancho on the right will be amazing. I think it's another good comment here saying that I think next season we would be would be a huge season for Martial. We mentioned Martial. Let's talk about him a little bit, Rob, because um, mm-hmm. he's had an absolutely mm-hmm. shocking season. Let's say putting Sancho and Rashford either side of him would make our link-up play amazing to watch. Martial, right. Come off come off uh, probably his greatest season at Manchester United. He was absolutely unplayable, like incredible as a number nine. And you thought, right, he's going to really kick on now. He's going to go and show that he's he's got immense talent, but there's always been a question of can he actually do it consistently? Absolute torrid season. You know, I've wanted him to go, but, you know, I've, I've had time. We've had time off. We've had time to de-stress and just detach from Man United. And I've come back with a different view here. And um, I've, this is my view that Andy Martial can't play as badly as he did that season. He can't. It's not possible for a player that talented to do that. If Martial gets more service from the right, look, as a striker, the more chances you get, the more likely you're going to score. That's just a fact, isn't it? It's a numbers game. More chances from the left. And you think about the way that Martial links up. That's one of his strongest parts of his game. He doesn't play like a traditional number nine. He does go down that left-hand side channel. But this could work to Manchester United's advantage. You know, if that's if Martial's doing that, maybe Bruno can come more centrally. He can make those runs into the box. But having someone like Sancho on that right-hand side, surely, surely that's going to make Martial's you know, game better. It's going to give him someone who's going to be possibly on that wavelength, can play those one-touch passes, can play those passes into the box. It's possible, you know, that Martial has that one more season where he has to prove it. Absolutely. And the whole point of this is this, is that Manchester United are not really in the market for selling Martial at the moment. He's not being shopped. It doesn't mean he won't be sold. You know, if they get the right offer, then then that could happen. But I think for Anthony Martial, you know, when we talk about creativity in Manchester United, we're all very much aware that United, for the last two or three or four seasons, creativity has been an issue. So we always plug it in, I always think, the wrong way. So when we talk about creativity being an issue, we blame Fred, we blame Scott McTominay, we blame Victor Lindelof, and we blame uh, and uh, Aaron Wambasaka or players like that. We look at it like that. It's kind of a very kind of very uh, uh, like Lego way of bricking things together. Are oh, they not the talented players? That's the issue. I think what the real issue is is the talented players, the players that are supposed to be creative. It's up to them to go and create for you. So what United are adding now is an elite creative force on the right hand side who's going to play very close to the striker. So if Anthony Martial does start as the number nine next season or plays any game through the middle, he's suddenly got this guy next to him who can create goals for fun. So that's really, really important. And it might help Martial to actually be more focused on just running that that central corridor, as I call it, right through the penalty spot to the goalkeeper. And you say to him, you run that corridor because this guy on the right, he doesn't need you going out to the left. He doesn't need you dropping it out, out. He needs you making that run. He's going to find you. And that's what you obviously practice in training. So when you bring Sancho in, as soon as you do that and say it works, Martial will be thinking, I'm going to just hover around a penalty spot. I'll just be a goal hanger, stay on side, and I'll get goals. Whereas I think when you look at the last year or two, part of the issue for Martial is that he gets pushed left, out wide left. I've said to you before, when you know he started on the left-hand side of the attack or he's gone that side, that he's completely ineffective. I know that's his, his main part well, of the game over, over the years. That's one issue. And another issue that we're going to talk about a weakness of Jane Sancho. I think that is one that we need to pick up. I'm not saying he doesn't work hard, but Sancho, you know, there have been times where I've watched him play and like he's not he's not doing that defensive duty well enough. So I think that's something that we do need to also highlight as well with Jane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But do you know what? In the first instance, I, I'm not I'm not going to take 
one of the best attacking players in Europe and say, right, mate, come to training. Let's sort out how you track back. It doesn't work like that. It didn't do like work like that with Ronaldo. Ronaldo never tracked back at Man United. The idea is that you tell him to go that way, take the whole game with him that way, scare the life out of the opponents, and you attack for fun. So, yeah, he's not going to maybe cover Aaron Wambasaka in the same way that Dan James would. But do you know what? When you need someone to do that, what do you do? You put Dan James there. So you've, it's about balance. There's not going to be huge rotation with Sancho. He's going to play pretty much every game. He's either going to play on the left or the right. I do think that United may kind of switch to a system where it's still 4-2-3-1, but you might see United playing with three tens. So you might see that Sancho plays with Bruno inside him, with Pogba on the left. That might happen. And you might see that someone like Greenwood, or even Rashford or Martial, as we talked about, ends up being the striker in front, obviously, with Cavani coming in and out of the team. I'm not mentioning Cavani because long-term Cavani isn't here. Yeah. He's going and to be here for another season, and that's great. But that's not really, you know, Cavani will score a load of goals this year. Though, Rob. You might see more from him next season if the fact, we've seen with Cavani, we saw near the back end of the season, you know, he was being over, well, he was being overplayed, he got injured because he's, mm -hmm. he's old. You saw when he actually had a bit of rest comes up with those goals he's clutch off the bench that's the key for me that's what he's at the club for that's why we want him at the club so he's there to come off the bench and score you goals in that last 20 minutes that's how we should be setting up when we're relying on him like 20 games in a row he's going to get injured he's not going to score for you but of course he will score tons more goals with someone like Sancho on the pitch but I think United might go to that system where it is more one-touch football with, as I said, three number 10s behind a striker and, and have that balance. And that will be really exciting to watch because I don't think United need pace on the outside. I think you have to say to Wan-Bissaka and to Shaw to be, your, to be your guys to give you width. I think they're happy doing that. We know that Wan-Bissaka still needs to develop that part of his game. But I also don't think we should be saying well, do you know what, Jaden? Get back and go and help the fullback. Because we don't say that to Paul Pogba on the left-hand side when he's there. We don't say it to Bruno when Bruno's got the ball. We, they, these players are there to create for you. And if you're creating consistently, Haydar, and you're doing it week after week after week, teams will just set up lower and lower and lower. The block gets lower and lower because they get scared. And they go to you, well, they've got these three number 10s that are, are balling. And we need to sit back and we're going to play five at the back. It's going to be a low block. And we're going to play one up top. You then don't need anyone tracking back. You just, you've scared the opponent into submission. So Sancho is part of that kind of idealism, I think, for Olegon Solskjaer to be able to play a more attacking game. But the coverage will still be there. You'll still probably play with a double pivot. You'll still have Scott McTominay being the one maybe going into that role or Fred or someone like that. There's still, I think, United are in the, the market for a more defensive-minded yeah, midfielder. Someone to come in there, yeah, for you, sure. You know, and Ndidi obviously is kind of obvious, but it's certainly that's just my opinion. It's not a thing happening. Um, so United are still definitely looking at a midfielder and a centre-back. Um, and I think that will be added to this Sancho conundrum. But I think really with Jadon Sancho, what we need to say to him is all those statistics there on our screen that look so kind of beautiful going all the way along, please reproduce that. That's what we want. Reproduce that. And I don't care if you never track back because we'll be okay. We'll make sure someone else does that work. We did it with Ronaldo, and, and it's not a case of being greedy or not. It, it's a case of getting numbers that make you win. And if a player makes you win, yeah, he will trap back into space, but he won't do what Marcus does. You know, he won't go all the way. He won't chase all the way back. It, it's not a thing for him. And I don't think United are going to be losing the title because players aren't tracking back. It's making sure the press is going in the correct direction. 
Yeah, very good points. And look, I brought up on the screen here Sancho's positions played for Dortmund over mm -hmm. the last three seasons. Now, this is very interesting because let's say you're seeing a lot of stuff with Marcus Rashford. He's injured. He might need surgery on the shoulder. So let's say Marcus is out for three months. You know, has I'm just I'm just it's all hypothetical. But let's say he's out. Mm -hmm. Where does who plays on that left hand side? Is it Jane Sancho? We're having a look at the statistics here. So in the last three seasons, he's played left wing 36 games. He's got 19 goals, 19 assists. That's a really good return. That's a phenomenal return on the left. Now, if you're looking at him on the right, which is where he will probably play for Manchester United, 68 games, 24 goals, and 35 assists. Now, just to put you know sort of a little bit of a context to this, last season he played more times on the left than he did on the right, 15 times to 14. So pretty pretty similar. Those you look at the right wing, it's 68 games. It's almost double. 33 of those games, Jen Sancho played in that 18-19 season where he had a great season. So, you know, there is a lot of talk that, you know, people think Jen Sancho is not a right winger. He plays on the right. He can play on the left. He gives you that flexibility. He, he gives you that ability to have a fluid front line. Say, and I said this in the last season, Rob, that Marcus needs a rest. If he needs to go for surgery, even if Marcus was fit, if I was picking a team tomorrow for Manchester United, I'd play... Sancho on the left, Mason on the right, Cavani up top. If I was picking on form, do you think that it would be a problem if Jin Sancho started playing on the left-hand side for Manchester United? Not a problem. And I think he will play on the left, certainly on many occasions for Manchester United. But like, it's exactly what I just said five minutes ago, is that you don't rob Peter to pay Paul. You don't suddenly bring in one of the best right-wingers in the world and say, go and play on the left, please, mate. In Manchester United fashion, that might happen. That might actually happen. You know, we've seen that before where players come in and they play out of position and we're all going, what's going on here? Uh, you said you'd start those uh, players in those positions. The, the, the team I would start in that front three, and I think Ole will do this, I think this is also what Ole believes, is going to be Rashford left, it's going to be Sancho right, and eventually it'll be Greenwood through the middle. Eventually, eventually. with yeah. Cavani dovetailing in and out. Or it will be eventually... Haaland through the middle. So that's where I think United will looks at, look at it philosophically of how they want it to work. I also think Dan James is going to play a hell of a lot more games next season. I think he's kicked on. I think he showed that he can give you an incredible counter-attack. He does all that defensive work. So he's kind of moved on. I know he's not a popular name, but he will get minutes. He'll come off the bench and he'll help. And I do also think that Ahmed Diallo, I think the way it stands at the moment is that Ahmed will probably go out on loan rather than being a backup off the bench. Why? Because he's 18, he needs games. It's no good him sitting on our bench and getting five minutes at Crystal Palace and then five minutes at Burnley and running clocks down. We need the boy to be developing. Well, where's he going to go, Rob? Because um, you know, I th I personally, I would... I'm not too sure because I do think that there's enough games for him to go around. I think it'd be great to have him. But you mentioned earlier, you don't think Sancho's going to get rotated on the right. You're probably correct there. Not as much as, say, Mason rotating with Cavani. So where could Ahmad go? And where would be good for him? Like, is Dortmund an option? Because you can imagine Dortmund for a couple of years where Ahmad Diallo would, would absolutely take his game and develop his game to the next level. And he comes back and he's 20 years old. And you've got a player on your hands. Well, Dortmund made an offer for Diallo when he was at Atalanta. So... They like him. They would like him. It's 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 it's, it's fact. We we know that 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 they would want him. Would they want him in a kind of loan deal for two years? I don't know. If that's something that would appeal to them. However, if it was a sweetener in this deal, and United were like, look, you know, because United obviously did send Yanazai there, uh, and that was a complete disaster. But the clubs have got previous in terms of sending players there, uh, going over to uh, to Germany. Um, 
I would not be surprised if he signs a one-year deal with an extension, with a one-year extension on top, uh, in a, as a loan scenario, because I think he would play. I think in the Bundesliga he'd get minutes. I think he'd improve, and it then would mean that in two years' time, when we're talking about two years on for Sancho, as I said, two years on for Rashford, two years on for um, obviously for Bruno as well, and maybe the makeup of the whole football club, that then you're bringing in this this guy that might have played another seventy or eighty games. And 78 games in the Bundesliga is a thousand times better than coming Champions off the bench. League as well, Rob. Exactly. Yeah, so, so, so we, we all know that Ahmed is really, really talented and that he just needs time and he needs minutes. And it's how you facilitate those minutes. I'm not saying 100% sure that he'll get a Dortmund, but I do think that you could put him in any of the major leagues in Europe. You could, you could send him back to Italy, you could send him to France or Spain or Germany and you'd be confident that he would be good enough to get minutes at a really good club, you know, not necessarily a Champions League club, but certainly a team in the, say, top 10 of, of any division, the top half and that he would play games and that's all that's, that, that matters, developing, playing minutes and being a first teamer somewhere because that just means that your mindset evolves, you become more mature, you get to a point where you're you're expecting to play games. I, I think at the moment we, we don't want to keep him a boy. Yeah, we don't want to keep him as our 18-year-old wonder kid on the bench who doesn't ever play. You know, it didn't really work very well for uh, for Angel Gomez, did it? So, you know, you, you look at players who've got talent and that talent can be squandered if you don't move them on out the club at the right time. Not saying he will definitely go because there might be a case where United sell someone like a Martial or, you know, decide that Greenwood's going to go through the middle for the whole season. So they need back up on the right. And then you might keep Ahmed. But I think at the moment, Ahmed will be probably leaving the club on a pretty big loan deal. Fantastic, Rob. And um, <clears throat> we're going to discuss just like really briefly a couple of minutes, you know, what are United looking at? So the questions here are, Sort of, and then we'll talk about Paul Pogba and uh, Bruno, and then we'll wrap up. So, uh, you know, where do we rank defensive midfielder or midfielder in our transfer priority? Do you think it's a centre back or right back? We discussed Tripper off off air, didn't we? Um, I do want to mention the right back situation quickly about Sancho because I think it's important to discuss that. And uh, the question here is saying, personally, I think it should be a case of the funds are they available? Fred McTominay are given too much stick. Now, I want to quickly address the right back situation. I think one of the one of the concerns for me, I think Wamsaka will improve with the likes of Sancho outside him, but I think where I saw Jane Sancho play his best football is when he had Hakimi, you know, playing mm -hmm. playing on the outside of him. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where that's my only concern, I think, with not concerned with the signing, but concerned with that combination is that how is Wamsaka going to be for Jane Sancho? Not the other way around. I think well, I'm sack will benefit from Jane Sancho, but I'm just questioning will Jane Sancho, <clears throat> you know, will he struggle with someone like Wambasaka who isn't the best going forward? And then I guess the other point is, you know, with a defensive midfielder, where do I rank? For me, that's very high up or, or some sort of midfielder. I don't, I love Paul Pogba and I, you know, ideally you'd like to see him a bit deeper at times, but actually play him further forward. Even for France, Rob, he's not sitting in the double pivot, he's not he's sitting, not. he's got the likes of Rabio and Angola Conte behind him, and, and Pogba is tearing up this tournament. He's one of the best performers at the moment. People don't want to see it. People want to say, oh, we can do this United. He's done it week in, week out this season for Manchester United. He's been one of their best players. Yeah. So, you know, the agendas need to stop. Watch Paul Pogba with your eyes without, you know, without bias. And you'll see that Paul Pogba does this every single week for Manchester United. Even when under Jose Mourinho, Rob, Rob uh, Pogba was one of the highest uh, performing players. People don't want to see it because he's not running around like Roy Keane. He's not going and putting in 
tackles like this. He's got he dances. He's got you know blonde hair. It's all this rubbish. But you know, for me, I think you have got to get Paul Pogba further forward. And I am I'm now converted with that view. So I agree with you now. Um, I know we went last season going on and on about it. But you're having to look at now. Where's the priority? I think Paul Pogba, if he signs a new deal, I think that's massive because it shows that the club is showing a bit of ambition as well. Rafael Varane is very close to Paul Pogba. It seems that United are making some headway there. So I think a centre-back will come in. Him or Paul Torres will do perfectly fine. But United have to get a defensive midfielder for me or someone in midfield who can pass the ball better than Fred and McTominay. So where, where does that rank for you? Because you're quite happy or... You, you like the functionality of McFred. You think it does a decent job. You'd like a player to come in, but I think for you, you would rather a centre-back come in. I'd like a centre-back, definitely. Um, it's very hard to grade when you talk about midfield because it, it depends, again, philosophically, what you think a midfield does. So there is, again, I think this kind of perception that you have to, every team needs a defensive midfielder. Every team in the world needs uh, someone that runs the game, you know, a Roy Keane, someone like that. Uh, you, there's obviously players like Kante, but Kante does is a defensive midfielder that's on the edge of the opposition box most of the time. So you kind of look at it and you kind of say, well, he's not really a defensive midfielder, is he? He just does the work. I'd rather have people that do the work. So in terms of United's 4-2-3-1, do I think that United's double pivot is why United didn't win the league last year? Well, 100% no. So this is how I look at things when I ask myself these questions. So I understand why Sancho be brought to the football club. That's kind of one tick. And you're talking about the right back position as well. How does this all kind of mould into each other? I would like a, a, a midfielder. There's no doubt about it. But when you look around Europe, yeah, there's there are options. Like you could look and say, do you want an Ndidi? Do you want maybe someone more progressive like a Tealersman's? Is that the kind of player you want? But if you buy these players... It, it means that you have to change. It means you have to change stuff and you have to change it not on the fly, but you have to go back to the training ground and reinvent yourself. So as it stands today, if you put Sancho on the right and you put Greenwood through the middle, say, and Rashford on the left, as I said at the start, they're just of this little segment. And then you decide that kind of in the middle, in that kind of free behind that somewhere that you're either going to play Pogba as a 10 or you take the two wider players out and you keep Sancho there, you keep it narrow, and then you put Pogba on the left and Bruno through the middle, then you need that midfield anchor. You need people to do the work. And yes, go and get a defensive midfielder, but that defensive midfielder can't just do that. They can't just do that. They can't just sit and do what Matic has done for 15 years of his career. Because no team really does it anymore. No one really plays with an out-and-out -out anchor in front of the defence. It does. There are play, players that do do it. I'm not saying it doesn't work. But United have to change quite a lot of things. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, if, 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 if you brought in a Ndidi who just sat there, there's a misconception about Ndidi or his pass rate. At Leicester, his pass rate is good because he passes the ball five yards. That's it. He didn't do anything progressive. Yeah, he's there to kick people. He's there to do the McAuley role. That's what he's there for. Yeah, and yeah, he does it well, and that's why he's there. But there's also a reason why he's not top of everyone's shopping list because he is good at what he does. But does he take you on to the next step? I look at it this way. I think Paul Pogba next year will be at Manchester United, and I think that Paul Pogba wants to play more as a number ten. Why? Because he said it. He said it last week, and he said it the week before. He said. Uh, when he he said, I want to score more goals. This is out of his mouth. I want to score more goals. I want to play at the top end of the pitch. I want to attack. I want to influence. I want to play the game that I was born to play. 
So really what that's up to Ole now is that does Ole want Paul Pogba to play that role? Because he's already got Bruno Fernandes. And this is why I do think that Ole, being an attacker himself by trade, might quite like it. I think he quite likes what Pogba did on the left last year. I Like you just said there about Marcus, I think Marcus had incredible injuries over the last two seasons. He does need a rest. He might need an operation. It's not a major operation. I don't think he's going to be out for weeks and weeks and weeks. But he, he needs a fix, really, when it comes to his shoulder. He's had rib injuries as well and knee injuries and ankle injuries and foot injuries. He's had everything. So you, you want to be able to maybe rotate him in and out a little bit more. But then it's kind of what do you do with Paul Pogba? Because I don't believe that Paul Pogba is a number six. So Paul Pogba doesn't believe that. I don't believe that. And I don't really think Ole does. I know lots of people do because they think that the pivot needs a ball player, but it doesn't. It needs work, it needs hard work. And that's why McTominay and Fred play all the time. Not because, and if they've got in front of them three proper ball players, they, they've just got to learn to pass the ball five yards. Yeah, like an Ndidi. Just give it to the ball players. That's how it works. So uh, you're never going to see United's double pivot be massively expansive, but it's not designed to be. And if you want to play 4 3 3 and be properly expansive, then, of course, you're right. You might need a defensive midfielder anchor and you need to then get rid of the double pivot and actually have more creative players deeper. You might even have a Bruno playing as number eight. But I don't want to see Bruno Fernandes develop as number eight at Man United. Let's talk about that, Rob, because I actually do want to mention that. Look, I think United... Oli has a good problem, doesn't he? Jane Sancho coming in and then you're looking at it right now. I'd like to see if Paul Pogba can play for Man United. I'm happy with 4 I'd like to see someone better come in in that defensive midfielder position so i i, I want to i think we need to upgrade on mcfred we're looking at it right now i think pogba's best position is off that left hand side for manchester united so that's where the conundrum comes you know <laughs> well not even a conundrum it's a positive because if you're playing a side that's going to sit sit and um sit back really deep like villarreal did you're not going to play marcus rashford on the left go and play paul pogba on the left if you're going to play against the side if we're going to go play a bit more of a counter-attacking style, you know, try and get in behind, you play Marcus Rashford. So, and then that, that's that's when you have the situation as well where you don't play Marcus into the ground where he's been injured for two years or whatever it is, breaks his back, comes back, he gets injured again and and plays through the pain barrier. So I think, you know, it's a good problem for Oli to have, but it's also, it's also going to be a headache. He's going to have to manage these big egos. He's going to be like, right, okay, Pogba, you know, some games you're going to have to play deeper. Other games you're going to play further forward. Um, but I do want to mention Bruno Fernandes. Look, Rob, there's a few questions. I'm going to get to them. They're asking about what your view is of Sander Berge, Berger or Berge, who plays for Sheffield United. Doesn't seem there's much into it. Um, I think he's a decent player, but I don't think he moves the needle for Manchester United. So, Victor Lindelof, uh, Mark II. No, thanks. Yeah. So, and then when we look at um, Varane and Ramos, there's a lot of talk. You know, Varane, Varane looks very positive. Yes, <laughs> yeah, okay, Varane. I'm a big Paul Torres fan, but you know what? I'm not going to say no to Rafael Varane. He's won everything. I don't think Ramos is going to join Manchester United. I think there's more chance of him going to City or PSG or somewhere like that. But, you know, Paul Pogba staying, I feel like he's dependent as well in the fact that if United can go and get someone like Varane, someone he's good friends with, someone who's who is top quality, who's won it all. You know, how important is it for United, if they want to keep Paul Pogba, to go and buy players that will go and bring United closer to that title? Well, th this is exactly why Sancho's come. And this is why exactly why Man United wanted Sancho last year. And... um I've said it on the podcast before, but I've said it in multiple places. The, one of the big issues for Paul Pogba originally, going back to when Paul Pogba was maybe less fashionable than he's been in the last, say, six to 12 months, when United fans were desperately wanting to get rid of him because all they wanted to do was listen to Mini Raiola go bark, bark, bark nonstop, 
one of the things that Pogba said at that time, um, specifically to the football club, we know this from our sources, was that United needed to get real about buying players. That, you know, the Dan James signings of this world were not going to keep Paul Pogba at Manchester United. That's no offence, of course, to Dan James. Um, but United right, needed to... Rightly so, Rob, rightly so. So United, so Paul Pogba wanted to see that he wants to play with good players like he does with France. And he, again, he kind of alluded to that the other day when he talked about it. He said what he likes about France is the quality of players, what they can do, that they're diverse. He feels kind of he has a, a leadership role in the French team. He has that at Manchester United as well. But again, because of our nature in English football and how we look at the game, we, we kind of think that he's not a leader and that players don't respect him and that he's, you know, in the newspapers for doing nothing. You know, it's, it's all that stuff, isn't it? So I think for Paul Pogba, one of the main things about signing a deal at Manchester United, and if that comes about, it's not 100% sure, you know, no no kind of way at all of kind of really 100% saying that that's now down today. We know negotiations are happening and they're ongoing and they look good. But if Paul Pogba stays at Manchester United, it will be because of the calibre of signing that they're trying to bring to the club. And I think it was really felt last season that with uh, Sancho, that it wasn't actually United's fault that the deal didn't go through. The player said he wanted to come to United. The the deal was agreed in principle with the player for his wages and his contract. Uh, And it really came down to Dortmund being greedy because they've got the big contracts already signed at 108 million. And that was that. And United did push and push and push until they couldn't push anymore. So they did say to Sancho, we'll see you in a year. So that's what's happened. And I think players respect that. So I think Paul Pogba seeing Sancho coming in that's going to please him. There's no doubt about it. He wants to play with that type of calibre player. Um, And I think the balance at United, the harmony at United in terms of the players, ever since Bruno arrived, has improved like exponentially, massively. That there's no kind of... Like in the Mourinho days, even with the big players at the club that we'd signed, there was always snipping and sniping, non-stop players not happy you know, wanting to either play more on their, you know, not you, you know, their reputations and as you used the word a minute ago, ego. I don't actually see a lot of ego in this Man United squad. I see people that want to win, and winners will do what they got to do. That means if they don't play all the time, that's okay as long as you're still winning. And for me, Paul Pogba is the ultimate winner. You know, I think he will make his next yeah, choice not about money, but he will make it about winning. And it's either State United. Sign for Paris Saint-Germain, sign for Real Madrid. Juve. Or or potentially Juve, but Juve are a bit of a mess at the moment. You know, there's there's nothing there at Juve to do. It's things that he's already done. So the big thing for him, and he said it only three or four weeks ago, he said, I want to help my team win the Premier League. His words. And it got underreported because it's not a snapshot. If someone says that four weeks ago, five weeks ago, it doesn't sound like he's leaving, does it? So, you know, he wants to help his team. He talks about United quite a lot. Manchester as being his team, you know. He he wants to stay at United. It's just if they can cut that deal. And that comes down then to, to Judge and the guys behind the scene who do all the negotiating, Ed Woodward. Obviously, Woodward's going out the door, but it's trying to find a way back in there now with the director of football that, that Pogba is sold on the project and that he believes United can win. And I think... He believes that from what we're hearing, that he kind of, he has trust in that process. So I think he'll sign the deal, but don't forget, Haydar, you know, in a year's time, even if he signs a three-year contract, in a year's time, if Real Madrid come knocking along, he's had a great con- great year and they say, we'll pay 150 million for him. He's gone, United sell him, it's done. So contracts don't mean that long-term foreverisms that fans get excited by. They just mean that it's kind of secure this year. And I, and I think he fancies another year at United. And I think that 
With Sancho on the outside and on the right, I think he'll play much more as a number 10 next season and get more goals and assists. Right, quickly before we wrap up, um, you know, we are coming towards time. But so this is a great comment here. If he stays, fans will call him greedy and hate him. If he goes, fans will call him greedy and hate him. And a comment here from Christian, though, but is it worth the risk to keep Pogba at the club if it means making him the best played player ever in the Premier League? Has he earned that, though? I'm seeing this a lot at the moment, you know, people saying, has he earned it? And it's such an outrage he's been given that much money, as if, you know, he's he's frauding the club. And this is a, the sort of the view of Paul Pogba. You know, why is it that even after the season he's had and impact he's had, and we saw very clearly as well, Bruno Fernandes' performance dropped when Paul Pogba didn't play. And we've seen that he's amount of times he's bailed United out. So, it, you know, there's there's tangible evidence to show that Paul Pogba has, if there are fans that had, had concerns that he didn't step up in the first two, three years, he did. But if fans do have concerns about that, there's tangible, a year's worth of evidence to show he has, that he's happy, that he's working hard for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. What's the problem then? Why is there such a an antagonising and almost venomous sort of, view of Paul Pogba you know he's a money grabber he's just why do people care how much he's earning it's not their money the club are going to give him a contract they'll give him a contract what just try and explain that a little bit because it's something that puzzles me as well I don't understand why Paul Pogba riles so many people up the wrong way it's only for United's benefit if he stays because he's a world-class footballer I think along with Luis Suarez Paul Pogba is the most hated player I've ever seen come to this country and even from his own fans at times. Why? There's no doubt that stylistically Paul Pogba can great. That we know this. When he doesn't play well, he's not, you know, he can be, he can lack impact. He can look like he's not interested. He can kind of be a little bit blasé. But I think when you look at the whole package of Paul Pogba and what he does well, there is a balancing point. But the issue is, Haydar, is it all depends about what you think of a player and how a player is supposed to do his job. So let's put it this way. Say you got rid of Paul Pogba and you bring in Tielemans. There'd be a lot of people who would love that. They would love that because of what Tielemans does, how he maybe plays along, uh, uh, supports the attack, the kind of player he is. Is Paul Pogba worse than Tielemans? No, he's better than Tielemans by miles, 100 miles. Use the Roy Keane analogy as well there, what Roy Keane says about him, about work rate and all of this. All of that, again, is perception. They're not numbers. When you look at the numbers, numbers the numbers show. prove that that is a, as an incorrect slice of punditry. But I just want to kind of end on, on this fact. You will not, not know how good Paul Pogba is until Paul Pogba leaves Manchester United. When Paul Pogba is gone and is strutting his stuff, doing it at another football club, and you're sat there crying into your Weetabix because United are six and they can't replace him, then you'll then you'll know all about it. I also want to compare it to one other player in United's history that never got the never got the kind of kudos that he deserved. And that's one Sebastian Veron. Veron came to this football club as the outright best midfielder in the world. And he came to Manchester United. And it didn't work for him for a number of factors. He couldn't really gel with Keenan Scholes. It didn't work with the way the, the kind of balance of the football team at that time. And of course, he was at Manchester United for a very short period of time. But after he left, there was a lot of kind of deep thinking from United fans about what have we just actually lost? You know, why did it not work? And I think that that will be the all-encompassing question with Paul Pogba. If Paul Pogba leaves this football club now in the next few weeks and goes to another team, that people will say, well, why didn't it work? And of course, they will just blame him. They won't blame 
the managers before Ole that got it wrong. I think Ole's now getting it right with Paul Pogba. This is why Pogba is happy. Yeah, and I think this is why Mourinho has, yeah, for sure. And this tournament, like you just talked there about Rabiot and you talked about Kante, there's a reason why France looks so good and Paul Pogba is running the whole tournament. And that is because Didier Deschamps has based his team around it. That's the, the philosophy. And I think that's where Ole wants to go with Pogba. And I think that will be a big reason why Pogba will stay because it won't be what you said a minute ago. No offence to you, Haydar, but you said, you know, the ego is at times that you might have to play as number six. Well, yeah, you might have to play him as number six. It will happen. There's no doubt about it. But if you say to Paul Pogba, you're going to play as number six, he might go, all right, I'm off to Real Madrid where I can play as number 10. Bye. You can't do it. You've got to give players things that they want sometimes. So I think United will give him that. I think they'll say, you did really well on the left, statistically and in reality, you know, with the eye test. You look really good on the left. He works really well with Luke Shaw. You're going to have this world-class right winger in a minute on the right-hand side, and you've got Bruno Fernandes doing his thing. Let's play 4-2-3-1 like we have all season long last year, and let's go with three number 10s, and let's be beautiful. And, Paul, that's what you do. You do beautiful things, so go and do that on a football pitch. And you know what? He'll love it. He'll lap it up. And you won't. You, you, you'll have to pay him a big wage because Paul Pogba brings in so much uh, commerce to Manchester United. Yeah, he sells everything. You can put his name you know, uh, on absolutely any product and it sells because it's Paul Pogba. He's one of the biggest players in the world. And that's also why he's hated, but that's also why he's valuable. So I want to see Paul Pogba perform on the pitch for Manchester United. I think he did that last season. I want to see more. Give him the contract that he deserves. That's what I said today. And that contract might mean that he's the biggest earner at Manchester United, say, along with Bruno Fernandes. Bruno will be doing the same thing in a year time. If he's produced those statistics he did last year, Bruno will be saying... I want the same wage and they'll deserve it. But yeah, I think does. Pogba does I think Pogba does deserve it as a as a complete entity as a footballer of what he brings to Manchester United and how he can be the he could be the I think the missing piece next year with Sancho. I think those two together make you incalculably stronger. Well you just have to look at um uh, the way Mbappe and um and Pogba played together, you know, it could it could be very yeah. similar. My footballers last never say footballers never say I don't want to play with Paul Pogba. It's yeah. football fans that say it. Yeah. So I believe players more than fans in that written that in that regard. And everyone at Manchester United respects Paul Pogba and they want him to play every week. So I'm just gonna bring in this comment here because Chris yeah. was the one that originally said it. Look, it's it's perfectly fine if you don't think Pogba should be paid that. That's perfectly fine, it's your opinion. But you know, this point here, Rob, at the end saying, but if this were any other team, he won't be earning such amounts, which could create disarray in the dressing room. Pogba's loved in the dressing room. He's he's the leader in that dressing room. It is, yeah. This is the thing, fans. Fans, it's, it's narratives, right? Fans cover narratives. Oh, well, this is going to unrest here. This is unrest there. It's not. Bruno Fernandez is going to get a pay rise as well, Rob. By the way, he's going to go yeah, and be one of the highest paid players. And and United aren't stupid enough not to give him a similar wage. I, I just think fans should. You know, it's not like we're giving Phil Jones 150k a week. You know, it's not like we're doing this. You know, I think fans just when it comes to things like wages, it's not. It should think these are things we shouldn't really worry about, in my opinion, because it's it's a club at the end of the day. It's a club's money. But what I will say, Rob, my last point before we wrap up, is that I think there's, and I've I've realised this probably over the Euros, is that in the UK, you know, we're, we're both British. You know, from here, what's valued here is someone busting a gut getting back and making that slide, tack slide tackle, you know, like Wayne Rooney used to do. You know, you you think about the likes of... Um, look, Roy Keane was an incredibly technically gifted footballer. I'm going to bring up Roy Keane because he was also the player that charged around and, you know, worked incredibly hard. And United could do with someone as good as Roy Keane. But 
for years, Michael Carrick wasn't appreciated. Carrick was almost that Roy Keane replacement. Do you remember for years? I mean, look, I was still young at the time, but I remember how how unappreciated Carrick was because he didn't charge around, but he was a very, very clever footballer. I, I remember as well, Tevez and Berbatov. People loved Tevez because he charged around. Berbatov was a bit more, you know, a bit more cool. He'd have a little smoke of the cigarette, whatever, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. I remember how much when Tevez left and went to City, how the fans wanted Tevez to sign. Remember Fergie signed him up. We used to chant with Tevez. Mm-hmm. And this is the thing. In this country, they value players that bust a gut and they, you know, they work really hard. And a player that supposedly doesn't, has a bit more of a relaxed style, they're not, they're not welcomed as much as players that 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 run around. And I think that's the issue with Paul Pogba. I think that's the British thing. That's the thing. Yeah. It's a perception they're, they're, to work hard, you know, sort of thing. That's, there's all my, sorts of layers to it. There's all yeah. sorts of layers to it and reasons why that we could go into and do another hour on, but we won't. And and the whole thing with Paul Pogba is that he's not lazy. The statistics prove that he runs, he does the work, he does everything that you want a midfielder to do. And then he does a whole lot of other stuff that other mid, other midfielders can't do. So I get that during the frustration periods, like again, United towards the end of the season, like, you know, we were doing our masterclasses and United ended the season without a trophy. They get to a European final and they blow it and make a mess very very easy than just to kind of look at Paul Pogba and say it's your fault you know Marcus Rashford it's your fault players get singled out and, and I think when you look at, at, uh, at Pogba that's something that he will always carry for his the rest of his career at Manchester United whether he's here for another two months or whether he's here for another two or three or four years is that he will always be that guy he will always be that one that gets it put on him and do you know what he accepts it and and I, I might actually have respect for him for that because he he actually takes that responsibility and understands that the expectation for him is super high and that he needs to perform more. And he, he said it himself before, you know, I want my performances to be at such a standard where no one can say anything to me. So that's what he works towards. But I, I don't know. I think with Paul Pogba, the whole point is, is that if Paul Pogba leaves, what do you do? How do you, what player do you bring in? And like I just said there about Tillersman's, you know, if you bring him in for 50, 60, 70 million or whatever it would take to get him from Leicester, is he a better player than Paul Pogba? No, he's just not. He's a really good player, but he isn't better. So stick with a guy who's actually better, pay him the money because you don't then have to look for someone else. And the guy that already knows what's going on in the project, he knows what Ole wants, you know, and he wants to win a trophy at Manchester. There's no doubt about it. He's talked about it a lot, but he's never going to get, the kudos, Haydar, there's always going to be fans that don't like him. All I will say is this, it doesn't happen at Old Trafford. There's no one at Old Trafford that really gets on Pogba's back. It's not a thing that happens at home. You know, like we've not had fans at at stadiums now for a year. And I think when we go back to that, I think the love will be there. In the same way it was for a Berbatov, there was always murmurings, you know, when he didn't want to run. But, you know, Paul Pogba's not a problem. It's not His running isn't an issue. But I think no. there is an issue. If you want to play him as a defensive midfielder as a number six, there might be an issue because he might not be very good at that or as good as that as other players. And I think that's also part of the, the bigger story with Pogba. If you say to him, go and be a number 10 and go and get assists and goals, I think you would see then the blossoming of Paul Pogba right. at Manchester United. Right. Title. Yeah, and then you, and then that's the best way to shut people up, isn't it? You you know this already. We talked about Jaden Sancho. This show is about Jaden Sancho. If Jaden Sancho goes five games about a goal and assist, there will be people saying he's a bust. You know, and that is because that is just the way it is. That is English football in a Especially nutshell. Especially Manchester United as well, of course. And that will be the story. I don't get too low. You know, Harry Kane's getting it for England at the moment. People are saying yeah. Harry Kane's not a very good striker. What? 
you know, Harry, he's not scored goals. It's like, well, wouldn't it be good if you set Harry Kane up with some chances? That would start be a starter, wouldn't it? So it, it happens. But you're also going to see Harry Kane probably get a Manchester City to end on this show. And he's probably going to be the highest paid player in the Premier League, potentially on the back of that. Would that be wrong? Does that wrong? Because, you know, he's earning a lot more money than he was at Spurs. Those things, I just don't think fans should get too invested in that. It's more about, is, is the player right? Is it the right decision? I think Sancho's the right decision. I think Pogba would be the right decision to hold on to him. And then, of course, we do need to go and get a centre-back and maybe potentially another midfielder. I think that midfielder, for me, is the last option. I would rather go and get a Varane, which is a potential one at the moment. Looks like that might happen, um, and we're getting closer to that, and we might hear some more about that in the next week or two. Yeah, and guys, sorry, we don't have time to talk about Bruno, but you know, in the next show, we will definitely talk about Bruno Fernandez, and uh, we'll do that then. Look, if guys, you tweet us, yeah, if you tweet us what you'd want to know as well, yeah. if, you, if you want, if you want us to do shows on on certain players or certain systems and all that, or, or questions that you have, feel free to tweet us. That's the best way to obviously get in contact with yeah. ourselves on the show. And then me and Hader can, yeah, me and Hader can discuss it and maybe do something along those lines. Yeah. We're not going to do like pure tabloid talk about this rumor, that rumor, because it's it's just nonsense. So, look, guys, thank you very much for joining us. It's great to be back. Uh, don't expect this every single week. Me and myself and Rob have still got our feet up. We're in that we're enjoying some of the time off. Thank you so much You've for all your feet up. I haven't. <laughs> uh, I've, been trying to, I've been trying to make a move to Dublin in two weeks, so I've definitely not got my feet up. Um, but Rob, yeah, to be fair, Rob's been working and uh, on the Euros, guys. Look. Drop us, a, drop us a like and subscribe. Retweet this. Get this out to as many people as possible. Tweet myself and Rob if you want us to talk about certain topics. You know, and if we definitely see the value in that, we will do that. Have a lovely evening. Enjoy the rest of Euros, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. 